morning that desperately need to hear this. And then there's some of you that don't know you need to hear it just yet, but you're going to need to hear it too. And, uh, and so I want to try to deal with this subject as best as I know how, how the Lord has showed me and uh, taught me throughout the Word of God this week. Genesis chapter number 23, and uh, we will start reading here in verse number 1. Uh, Genesis chapter number 23, <coughs> and verse number 1. Uh, if you're there, say amen. Amen. The Bible said, And Sarah was a hundred and seven and twenty years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Ker Joth Arba. The same is Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. That's as far as we'll read today. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. Now, thank you, Lord, for the good spirit that we've already felt this morning, Lord. And today I pray that, God, that I could preach on this subject with power. I pray, God, that it would not just be words, but... Lord, that the Holy Ghost would say through me, Lord, what needs said. And God, that you would comfort hearts and prepare hearts. And God, that you would challenge us and, Lord, confront us and help us with this subject. God, we sure need your help in all areas of life, but especially in the area of losing people that we love so dear. So God, please, Lord, help me to do what you've called me. Help me to be a, a spirit-filled, spirit-led, unctionized pastor to help your sheep, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake and all the Lord's people said. Amen. Amen and amen. Some of y'all were around for the series that I preached for eight weeks on Wednesday nights. I preached for eight solid weeks on Wednesdays. Uh, this thought, testing in progress. We went all the way through the life of Abraham, and we went all the way through all the tests and the trials that... Abraham faced and I named the last test in Genesis chapter number 22. I entitled that test the final exam. Now we understand and we know this that God in chapter number 22 told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And when we begin to look over those verses and we begin to study uh, the life of Abraham and the final exam, if you will, we we understand that that was not the last of tests, but it was the final test in those series of tests. But how do you know, uh, growing up in school, every year you would get to the end of the year and you would take a final exam, but then the next year brought forth new tests and new trials. And so Abraham ends a series of tests in chapter number 22. He has taken several tests. I'll just name them quickly. Uh, in the life of Abraham, he has had to pass a family test. He had to leave home. He had to leave Egypt, which was home to him, and he had to leave behind some family. He passed that test. We find that Abraham had to pass a famine test, and uh, my friend, he had to endure uh, uh, the famine, but instead of doing what God wanted him to do, he goes back down to Egypt 
kept uh, up, my friend. He got messed up, but then he got things right with God. Then, after the famine test, he had a fellowship test. He had to decide whether or not he would continue fellowshipping with Lot or if he would follow God and avoid the well-watered plains of Sodom. After the fellowship test, he had a fighting test. It, uh, my friend, he had to fight when it came to rescuing Lot, and he passed that test. And after that, he had a fortune test. He, uh, my friend, when it came to accepting things from Sodom, if he would take from Sodom or not, he passed that test. And then after the fortune test, we find there was a fatherhood test. And uh, my friend, when he had gone ahead of God and laid with Hagar, the handmaid, and uh, they brought forth a son named Ishmael, he failed the fatherhood test. Uh, God told him that, that they would bear a son, him and Sarah, uh, and they got ahead of God. He failed the fatherhood test, but then he had a farewell test he had to take, and this is when he had to send Hagar and Ishmael, his son, away, uh, and he passed that test. But now, in chapter 22, he's faced with a faith test. Do, does Abraham have the faith to trust God uh, to walk up on Mount Moriah? with his only son Isaac, the Bible calls him uh, with the fire, with the wood and with the knife and all those does he have the faith uh, uh, to walk up that mountain and sacrifice his son? Well, we know the story, he passed the faith test sure enough, he got Abraham and two servants and he looked at those servants and he said, I and the lad go yonder to worship well, we know the story, once they get up uh, on top of the mountain the Bible said that they laid out the altar, they built the, the wood and they laid everything out and Isaac said all was well, all was there, they were there for a worship service but Isaac said this he said dad behold I, I see the fire and I see the wood and I see the knife but he asked his daddy this question, he said where is the lamb and so God uh, had spoke to Abraham and Abraham told his son God will provide himself a lamb and so we know the story sure enough he binds Isaac he lays him on the altar. He's fixing to follow through and pass this faith test when God speaks out of heaven and tells him, Stop, Abraham. You don't have to take the life of your son. You proved that you love me. You proved that you're willing to follow me and place your faith in me. And so the Bible said they turn around and by the head is a lamb wrapped in a thorn thicket. That right there is the first picture that we find of the Lamb of God in that passage uh, uh, that Jesus would come and wear a crown of thorns and would take our place and so God is the giver of life uh, may I say we don't have time to read everything that I would like to read but in chapter number 22 uh, Abraham is dead in the center of God's will. He has been faithful. He has lived by faith. He has loved by faith. He's been willing to lay down his only son by faith. But now, in chapter number 23, my friend, just as soon as Abraham passes a test, he's now faced with the death of his wife. May I say that in chapter number 22, I've got it somewhere. I keep overlooking it in my notes. But... Abraham calls that place uh, uh, he calls the place and says right here it is verse 14 uh, of 22 and Abraham called the name of that place where God spared 
his son. He, he called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now Jehovah Jireh means this. God is my provider. That's what that means. Jehovah Jireh is God is my provider. What did God do? God provided life. He was supposed to take the life of Isaac. But in chapter 22, God provided life to Isaac. But now, that same God takes life in chapter number 23. Again, Abraham's not out in the world. Abraham's not living in sin. Abraham's in the center of God's will. He's walking by faith. He's passed more tests than he's failed. And my friend, but now he's faced with this subject that we all hate to talk about, but he's faced with the death of a loved one. May I say this morning, I believe too many times we try to evaluate this inevitable issue of death. I I believe many times we attempt to figure out the timing of death. I think many times we attempt to figure out the reasoning of why someone had to die. But my friend, the reality of death is this. All men must die. And before any of us were ever born, God had both our birth and our death scheduled. Are you listening? I I say losing a loved one is never easy. But my friend, uh, may we be careful not to try to figure out the when and the why. And may we just trust the one who is responsible for both giving life and taking life away. Uh, My friend, and God brought Abraham life and in the very next breath God removed a life from Abraham. My friend, my friend, both of these events occurred sparing the life of Isaac and taking the life of Sarah. They both occur while Abraham is found faithful, while Abraham is found fruitful and fervent in his walk with God. Hear me now. Hear me, child of God, being right with God, living for God, being full of faith, being a good Christian, being obedient, submissive to God, will not keep you from having to deal with death. Uh, My friend, whether it's you that dies uh, or a death in your family, but may I say, uh, being all those things will not uh, keep you from having to deal with death, but if you'll do those things uh, and you'll live that way, it will allow you uh, to deal with death the right way. I'm amazed as I begin to study this. I looked over this, got a few things about a year, a year and a half ago, uh, but once I went back to it, God's really opened my eyes and showed me way more than he did the first time. And so now I know I'm supposed to preach on this. Uh, uh, but may I say, death comes into our lives uh, no matter how close we are walking with God because death is a part of life. Amen. Now listen to me. Too many times we as humans try to break death down and dissect it, don't we? Come on, somebody. You might as well be honest. We, 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 we try to dissect death and figure out God's reason. But may I say, I can tell you, God's reason for taking our loved ones and for those that were at the funeral, uh, you may hear a few things that you heard yesterday because I throwed it in there. Amen. Uh, but, 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 but we lose our loved ones, uh, uh, my friend, simply because it was just their time to go. And death never makes sense. You're never going to make sense of death, friend. Uh, death never makes sense. Death never comes at a convenient time. Is anybody? 
everybody. Listen, death don't never make sense and it never comes at a convenient time and death never brings understanding. I, I've never seen somebody close their eyes in death and say, well, I have full understanding. That is the perfect will of God. I, I, I know exactly why they died. Ne- never will that happen. Uh, may I say, since death is such a truthful reality, you and I as Christians must learn how to deal with death. Not only for our sakes, but for those who are around us, uh, who watch us walk through life uh, when we lose a loved one. Listen, we've got to deal with death not just to please God, but to show our lost family and our friends and our co-workers uh, that there really is a comforter. Hallelujah. Uh, that'll get you through deep, dark times. Uh, that'll bring you through times of having to bury a husband. That'll keep you going when you have to bury a wife. Uh, that'll keep you going, God forbid, when you have to bury a child. That'll keep you going when you lose a brother or a sister. Uh, my friend, death is hard. But God has a plan for you and I to follow in how to deal with the death of a loved one. Can I say as hard as it is to deal with, may I say it is our job as born again believers, even in times of death, to be a light and a witness of God's grace and favor in and on our lives. God don't just want us to be a witness and things are good. Now I want you to think about this. People cannot see Jesus in you during times of rejoicing and reaping. You think they can because you say His name, but they don't really see the attributes of Christ when everything's good. What, what, what did the Bible tell us that we are to be? I know salt, but He also said that we are to be the light of the world. Did you know that a light, if I, if I were to, uh, if I was, here we got a cell phone, I mean, uh, pull that thing out and turn your flashlight on. I mean, we, we'd see lights on, but it, it really don't make a huge difference. See there? I mean, we, we'd see that, but does it really stand out all that much? Well, no. I mean, it's just another light. And the reason it don't make a whole lot of sense and it don't stand out and it's not something everybody's just in all of that's because there's other lights on. And so when life, and the lights are on in your life, but, and you're being a light, at least I understand that you're still being a witness, but it's not nearly as noticeable as when your life goes dark. Is anybody listening? Uh, that's when people begin to notice there's something different. Uh, their life is dark. They, they've just buried somebody they loved, and things in their life are dark, dark, and difficult right now. But but I see a light shining out of them now. Listen to me this morning, my friend. Uh, life is only noticeable during dark times, and when life is bright and full of sunshine, you know, stand out but when it goes dark and the lights go out that's when Jesus begins to shine the brightest in the lives hallelujah Uh, Christians my friend uh, I've seen people mourn themselves to the grave themselves Uh, my friend how many people do you know uh, that that, that, that they didn't know God and they lost someone dear to them a husband a wife a spouse uh, uh, a child uh, a brother a sister and, and it drove them completely off the edge because they have no light to shine within them in dark times. God does not just want us to be a light for Him when the sun is out, but we're most noticed, He's most noticed through us when life gets dark. And I say I have preached some sad, sad, sad funerals because we weren't real sure about the condition of the person that had passed, whether they were in heaven or hell. And here's what I do. I, I don't put nobody in heaven. I will tell their testimony. 
and say based upon their testimony that's where they're at, but in, but in reality I don't know. Right. Right. But I have preached and I have asked and I always have to ask the family, people I do not know, does, is there a, 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 a valid testimony, not a baptism certificate, not, a, not just a story, is there a valid proof and evidence that Jesus Christ saved this individual. Sometimes I'm told no, and here's what I do. Uh, somebody asks me, what do you do in that situation? I, I, I don't promise them anything. I, just, I don't put them in heaven. I just tell everybody else how to go there. Amen. And I have preached some sad funerals, but boy, I have been a part of and preached some glorious funerals Amen. where the Lord showed up. Amen. That in itself is a lie. I, I, listen, I've been, we've been talking about this lately and I, if I die, we, we don't never know, folks. We don't never know. Are you listening? Yes, I know I, I'll be 30 in a month and I know I'm a young man, but, but look, we just lost an eight-year-old boy in our community. I don't know. But I want y'all to know something right now since we're dealing with this, what I want. I want my funeral here and I don't want to be a funeral. I want to glory to God. I want to church. I want y'all to see congregation. I want shouting. I do. I want rejoicing. I mean, I want church. I went home, friend. I know it's sad. I know we can't help but mourn and sorrow. But you better hear me, folks. I want to make it loud and clear that my goal and my wish and my hope and my heart for this place uh, is to go on for the glory of God. Uh, my friend, these babies, they, they need this place. Uh, these, these you, you individuals, you adults, you, you need this place. I know things would change. I know things would, would shift and things wouldn't be the same. But my God, He's the same. He's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. You stand up. Uh, if I die tonight, you better be back on Wednesday. I mean it. Uh, you come in. And you let the whole world know there's something different about us. Yes, we're sorrowful. Yes, we miss our pastor. Yes, we miss our, our church family. But there's a light, hallelujah, down on the inside uh, that will shine bright. I'm telling you, uh, there's a light shining so bright on the hill right over yonder. A little man of God that's been buried. Uh, he's been in the ground now two days. Uh, and bless God, days at 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, Sunday school. They're going to preach at 11. They're going to preach at 7. I'm telling you, it's it shining a light uh, for people to see. It wasn't about a man. It was about Jesus. That's the way I want my life and my ministry to go. Don't you, don't you sob and cry and go on. I, listen, I know, I know, I know we cry. And, and I'm going to deal with that. Weeping's good. It's okay. We're allowed to do that. But don't you sorrow like there's no hope. Is everybody listening? Don't you sorrow like there's no hope. I don't know what, what, what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And listen to me, friend. There is a right way to deal with the death of a loved one. There's a right way. A way that will shine a bright light to this lost and dying world. I was talking with Madison the other day. Picked her up and was telling her. I told her the first thing I told her, I asked she knew about Brother Randy and I said, did you know Sister Megan's daddy passed away? She said, no, I didn't know that. And I said, listen to me, Madison. If the Lord Jesus don't come out and get us, one of these days, your daddy's going to die. Now listen, folks. These are things you need to talk about. Yes, sir. We want to avoid it. 
But can I say, closing your eyes to something does not make it disappear. Right. Exactly right. It's real. And God's given me so much help and peace to be able to deal with this. It's a real thing, and I'm not dreading talking to you about it. Death is real. The fact is, I, 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 if God don't take me out before y'all, I'm, I'm going to have to preach some of y'all's funeral. Sure. It's real. I told Madison, I said, let's just say I want to talk about it. I said, no, we are going to talk about it. Because I know I'm her daddy. I told her, Madison Hope, the very moment that your daddy takes his last breath on this side of eternity, I want you to know, honey, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. Amen. And I said, I know it's going to be sad and sorrowful if you have to bury me. I said, but don't you ever doubt where I'm at. Hallelujah. Yeah. I'm going to tell y'all why I'm here. I'm going to let y'all know why I'm here. I am fully persuaded. I believe everything in that book. If I go to hell, I'm going trust in every blessed word in that Bible. I told her, I said, I know it'll be sad, but I want you to understand something. Just any day now, you'll see me again. Oh, yes. Oh, told Sister Annette this. She probably already thought about it and knew it, but I said, I want to think about something. Did y'all know we all get to heaven on the same day? Yes, sir. Well, that went over your head. We all go on the same day. What are you saying, brother child? My, my mama died 10 years ago. Yeah, but you're going to get there the same day. Come on, y'all. Y'all ever read your Bible? There's only one big, long, eternal day. And the Bible said a day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as a day. I'm here to tell you something, friend. And none of us going to live over a thousand years. And your loved ones that died 40, 50 years ago, they've been there about a millisecond of a millisecond of a millisecond. They don't even realize you're not there. And before they can realize that you're going to be there, we're all going the same day. We're all going on the same day. I may leave you quicker here You may leave me quicker down here But we're all going That's helping me We're all going on the same day Amen. Brother Bob has tried to sing this to you for eight years Day with Jesus Hello Never comes to an end or something No more heartaches Something comes to an end A day with Jesus can I give you a few things this morning? And I, I, I'm not real hurried on this because there's some things I want to talk about. How to deal with the death of a loved one. First of all, when looking at this subject on how to deal with the death of a loved one, we find, first of all, the inevitable reality. This is an inevitable reality that death will come. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 23. Or excuse me, verse number 2 of chapter number 23. The first three words say this. And Sarah died. May I say it is here where we are once again met by the inevitable reality that all men must die. 
I preached this part of it yesterday at the funeral. The Lord just gave it to me, but I added it to my message for those people. Can I say it is here where we uh, see that Sarah has lived to be 127 years old, but even at that old age, she's faced with death. Can I say the Word of God teaches us that death is in fact an inevitable reality. Why is death? Why do we have to die, Brother Josh? Well, number one, death is an inevitable reality because of its reward. Because of its reward. See, the Bible said in Romans 5, 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Did you know sin brings forth a reward? And the only reward of sin is we can all quote this, Romans 6, 23 said, For the wage or the earning of sin is? 1 Corinthians 15, 56, The sting of death is sin. But James 1, 15, When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. John, 1 John 5, 7 said, All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Listen to me. Because of sin, we are all born sinners. It's an inevitable reality. Sin brings forth its reward, and the reward of sin is death. But then secondly, death is an inevitable reality because of its reservation. See, sin or, or death is the reward of sin. We, 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 we all have sinned. Come short. So death is real because we are born sinners. Even though you get saved, this old body is still corrupt and it's not been made and you've not put on incorruption. And so sin brings forth death. But, but not only is it the reward of sin, but death comes with a reservation. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed. Some of y'all's got NIVs and stuff, I can tell. Hebrews 9, 27, and as it is appointed. You know, some of y'all probably not going to understand. You know the root word of appointed? Appoint. Y'all ever make appointments? Most of you probably don't keep them. Do you make appointments at the hair doctor or whatever you call them? The, the hair, what do they call them? Beauticians. Salon or whatever. I make an appointment at my barber shop. Every two weeks on Friday at 1.30. Man, be glad you go. Every Friday, every two weeks, no question. We are headed there. It's an appointment. And we show up. 1.30. 30 minute sessions. He gets his haircut. I get my haircut. He grabs the entire time I get my haircut. Can you please hurry, Andrew? I'm tired. I'm ready to go. I'm hungry. Why are you taking so long? I'm in the whole time. He said, I don't know why it takes so long to get your hair cut because your head's so big. <laughs> but it's an appointment. That means it has been appointed to me to be there. Right. Now, we can break our appointment in life. You can break appointments, but you're not going to break this one because you didn't make it. Right. Anybody here know the day, the hour, the minute, the second that you're going to die? No, no, but you got an appointment. Right. Let me tell you something. Ain't nobody ever missed their appointment with death. 
You didn't understand something. We, 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 the inevitable reality of death, how to deal with the death of love, we got to learn how to deal with it because not only of its reward, it's a product of sin, but then secondly, because of its reservation, not only, uh, not only uh, do we see does this reality of death bring forth its reward, but it is also made a reservation, my friend, no matter how we feel about death, no matter if we want to face it or not face it, it has been appointed unto us. We all have a reservation with death and there's not a thing in the world we can do about it other than prepare for it. How do you prepare, prepare for it? First thing you need to do is make sure you've been born again. Amen. If you're not saved, you are not ready for your appointment with death. You're not ready. Well, I've, I've, I've tried to tie my loose ends up and I've paid up all my bills. That, none of that amounts to hell beans. Amen. Amen. Don't, it, it, don't, it don't matter. It don't matter. You're not taking none of that with you. You're not taking. You're not taking friends. You're not taking family. You're not taking finances. There's only one thing going to count when it comes time to die. And your appointment that sneaks up on you, and that's whether or not you've been saved by the grace of God. Amen. We have a reservation. Now, I do understand we can add days to our life and take days away. Sure. According to the Bible. You can lengthen your days and you can shorten your days. But either way, we still have an appointment. And God in His foreknowledge knows if you've added or taken away and He's done set your day. Right. Yep. Amen? Death is real, folks. I understand we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. But it's a reality. It's an inevitable reality. And this, I said this yesterday. Preacher, why do you come in every single week? Why do you stay on to people every single week? Why do you tell people, you better get right with God if you're not right? Why do you tell lost people, you better get born again? You better get saved if you're not. Why do you tell prodigals, you better come home? I'm going to tell you why. Because I know how quick life can end. Y'all have heard me preach this message several times. Three ways to die. It's what I preached yesterday. You can die a regretter, a, re a rejecter, I mean. You can die a rejecter, a regretter, or a rejoicer. A rejecter is a lost man. They go to hell. A regretter is a saved man. That's Lot. He vexed his righteous soul. We wouldn't even know Lot was righteous had the Bible not told us. He died with regret. Hello? Or... You can die a rejoicer. Amen. I told the story, Sister Brandy. I've seen people slip off into death very tragically. There was really no peace. There was no... Y'all follow me? It wasn't smooth. It was sudden. It was... It was. And not all sudden death is, is, is means they're lost, but it was, you know, you could tell. It just wasn't right. But I told the story. I said, my gramps, he lay, he got cancer and got over it, got cancer, got over it, got cancer. Finally, he got cancer and couldn't get over it. And he sent him home with hospice. And uh, <clears throat> he had, he had, you know how you do. You, when you go home with hospice, you just, you head it down. And uh, he hadn't responded at all that day or, or a couple of days. And you know how people, their skin starts to change. You can see the life leaving them. The skin starts changing colors and the, the death rattle, y'all have heard that. They, they get the death rattle. And he had all those things. And, and to be honest, I didn't think he knew we was even in the world at, at that point. And uh, I was going to go see him. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, go, go to the church and get your guitar before you go see him and sing to him. Well, that's kind of silly, but okay, I'll do it. 
So I come over here, I got my guitar put in the case, drove to Williamsburg and walked in. I said, Gramps, I don't know if you know I'm here or not, but the Lord told me to come sing to you tonight. I said, you're just a few minutes away from heaven. I said, so I want to sing to you. I capoed that guitar on the third fret and hit my G chord and started singing Welcome Home. I said, there's a day just out in front of us. I know we'll surely come. When that eastern sky will open wide, revealing God's dear Son. And I know from here to heaven, it's just but a twinkling of an eye. In the midst of all, His glory will hear the sweetest cry. He hadn't talked to nobody, hadn't responded, nobody heard His voice, and He hadn't done nothing but lay there and die. And all of a sudden, tears started coming out of his eyes. I said, welcome home. I knew you'd come. Welcome home. You're here for good. Just look around. Was it worth the wait? Welcome home. Step through the gates. I changed the second verse around. Instead of saying mom and dad, I said, I believe at least for me, I'll see my gramps and grand, my brothers and my sister, about as far as I got. And all of a sudden he went. I said, everywhere you look, our friends. He was here, but he was there. <laughs> got to that course and no, not responsive. I never heard his voice, never talked. But his little hands went up. And that death rattled. And his little hands were up. And I said, Welcome home. I knew you'd come. Welcome home. You're here for good. Just look around. Was it worth the wait? Welcome home, step through the gates. Welcome home. I knelt down in his ear and I said, Gramps, I'll meet you in the morning. Just a few hours later, he left this life, but he just started living. Death is real, folks. That's the way I want to go. If my children, God forbid it, I, I hate it for their broken hearts. But if I die, an older man, y'all have to stand around my bed and watch your dad. You've watched your daddy live for God. I want to teach y'all how to die for it. I just want to lay there in peace and faith because David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He lead me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. But this is the best part. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Anybody tell me? Y'all see shadows? You see all these shadows on the walls? See them shadows from them bushes? You see that? You see them? Did you know them shadows disappear when there's no light? 
There's no such thing as a shadow without the... Some of y'all ain't getting it. There's no such thing as a shadow unless there's light present. Death is dark, but the Bible said it's not darkness for the child of God. It's just, yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. Hey, we don't have to taste all that the world tastes in the darkness of death. Why? Because there's a glory. There's a light in the midst of our darkness. My friend, we're not crossing over alone. Jesus walks with us through the valley of death. Brother John tells it so good. He was up in the ICU unit, about died with COVID, you know, 2020. And he's preaching all over, and I hope he's preaching again here, how how he started doubting and fearing, dying and, and all that. And told his daddy, he said, Daddy, I, I, I'm, a, I'm afraid I'm fixing, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And he said, Son, you're not going to die. His daddy, they've done told me I might die. It's not, it's not looking good. He said, Son, you ain't going to die. He said, why are you saying that, Dad? He said, because you're too afraid. He said, if it was your time to die, you wouldn't be afraid of it. I want you to think about that. Some of y'all have endured some rough times, and you're going to. You know some people, they get cancer and they die. Some people get cancer and they beat it. Just because you get that diagnosis does not mean that's what's going to take you. So don't give up. Trust God. And if it is coming to the end, you'll know it. And you'll have peace. I don't know if you've even been told this, Sister Annette. They may have told you, Sister Regina, or one of them may have told you this. I don't know. But Brother Eddie White from Villarica, Georgia, one of my favorite preachers in the whole world, come down Brother Randy's view, and before he left, he was crying and, and hugged us and all. And, and I'm going to close. He said, uh, he said, I just can't believe it, man. I just can't. He said, it ain't been three and a half, four weeks. I said, I know. He said, but he, but he said, me and Brother Randy was close. It was real close. And he said, and when he called me and told me he had cancer and it wasn't looking good, he had it in a lot of places, he said, I asked him, Brother Randy, I'm your friend, and I want you to be honest with me. How do you want me to pray about this? He said, I, I want to pray specifically how you want me to pray. He said, Brother Randy told him, he said, here's how I want you to pray. I either want God to heal me completely or take me out quick. And he said, are you sure you want me to pray that? He said, yes, sir. I either want complete and total healing or I want to be took out of here quick. And he said, that's the way I prayed. It's sad. I'm 61. But Sister Annette, good men of God, Lee Davis, suffered for over three years. He had life, but he had no life. And he missed all that. Think about that. Now, we, how, how are we going to deal with this? It's all in your perspective. Sure. Yes, we lost Brother Randy Young. But he didn't suffer a long time. Some of y'all have had to bury people that you love. But look, Sister Regina's had to bury a child. Some of y'all didn't know that. Little William. What did he live? day? Two days? Lived two days. I can't imagine imagine but but let's look at this it's so sad it is but what if God saved little William from heading down a road of pure destruction what if he would have turned out a God rejecter and went to hell 
But because God took him at two days old, now mama's going to get to see him again one day. And if you don't think he's there, you're crazy. He's waiting on you. Does anybody get to help besides me? He's waiting on you. Y'all had that little baby? I believe in life at conception. Hello? Can I get a witness? I believe in life at conception. I don't believe this business. They got to come out and cry before they're living. They're living at conception. And Brother Shelby, Miss Christina had a little baby. It never got no bigger than a little jelly bean. A little speck, a little something. Little bitty. Don't know what it was. But you better know something. I believe, now y'all think what you want. I'm not giving false hope. I really believe this. I believe that little fella or that little lady is running around heaven right now. And when y'all cross over, you're going to get to meet him or her for the first time. And that little child's not going to wonder who you are. The Bible said we will be known as we were known. I believe he's going to, he or she's going to run up and say, Daddy. Oh, I believe that. I believe he's going to run up, Miss Christina, that wasn't supposed to have no, no children, like Sarah. And he's going to run up and say, Mama. You're going to know them, and they're going to know you. I believe these things. Death is tragic, folks. But there's so much to rejoice about in death when you know God. I don't know the intimate details of everyone in here. Maybe you have a similar story. Miscarriages or uh, a, a close friend, a family member, a husband, wife, a brother or sister. Listen to me. Heaven, I've been saying this, is going to fix it all. Did you know there's no alt between you and whoever? You said, we died on bad terms. I've heard that. Well, if they're saved, you, you ain't on bad terms. They love you and respect you and value you, you more right now than they ever have. There's nothing between you because they're in heaven. Hello? Is everybody listening? They're, they're hanging over the banisters of glory, that great cloud of witnesses, and they're not saying, well, I love my sister, but buddy, she's not head. Nope. Nope. They're not doing that. They're saying, I want y'all to look. Look down there. That's my sister. That's, look at her going for God. Look at her. She's at church. Glory to God. It'll be just any day now. That's the way they are. Heaven fixes it all. You little babies that's been lost, they're hanging over the edge of glory. Saying, my mom and daddy on the way home. They sang that song, and I'm going to close. I've got so much more to say, but I'm going to stop there for now. They sang that song over there. I just stopped by on my way home. We're going to deal with some of that. I'm going to get a little ahead of myself right here. Do you know where Sarah died? In Canaan. Wasn't home. I'm going to read it to you in Genesis 11 and Genesis 12. You know where Sarah and Abraham's home was? It was in Egypt. They left all their family and all their friends. That was one of the tests he had to pass. He only took Lot with him. All their friends and family, everybody that meant something to them was back yonder in Egypt. That was home. Guess where she died? In a strange land. When I say, can I say for the child of God when we die on this side, 
We're not leaving home. We're going home. Amen. This is a strange land if you're saved. And everything I love and adore and all the people that I love, yes, I've got some here, but you better know i got a bunch over there. And I'm just stopping by here now on my way home. How are you going to deal with it? A lot of it's perspective. I didn't even scratch the surface of all the Lord's given me. That's just introduction. Ain't that a blessing? Let's all stand. Brother Chris, come. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. I pray that you've encouraged and helped hearts today. God, may we take death serious. Lord, may we understand that it does come whether or not we want it to. And so, God, please, comfort hearts, convict hearts. Maybe there's one here lost. They're not ready to die. I pray that you'd save them before it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen.